Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 119 of the Real Life Runners podcast. I'm pretty excited that episode number 119 is all about our lessons from 2019. It just happened to work out that way. So stick with us as we look back and see what we can learn from the past year in our running and in our life. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so I would consider myself a big picture thinker. I really like to like try to stand back and really survey a situation, look at the big picture, set goals, figure out where we're going, um, and just really take a really big macro type of look at like life and the year. And so I love looking back at the year and kind of trying to figure out how the year went, what was good, what was not so good, what can I learn from it, and how can we improve moving forward? Yeah, this episode really sets up nicely for you. I uh, I don't like looking back on things. I'm trying to get better at it of, you know, yeah. look at look at what's happened, learn from the lesson, like learn from whatever that experience was and then gain the lesson and, and use it to move forward. And I'm getting much better, but this is just something that you naturally like to do. Like you like to journal, you like to reflect on things and try and see, all right, let's let's step back. Let's take the, you know, ten thousand foot view on this thing mm-hmm. and see what what's going on. Yeah, and I think it's definitely a skill that I have cultivated. Like it's not like it always came totally naturally to me because Let's face it, sometimes there are things that we'd rather forget and sometimes it's easy to just kind of like glaze over those things and not think about them and just move on. That's not true. She kept a detailed journal starting from the (laughs) age of three. I did have a diary and it had a lock on it and I had these like little purple ribbon on the keys that I would like hide from my sisters. Yeah, those those locks were super difficult (laughs) to get into. I definitely never got into my sisters. (laughs) So anywho... um, but yes, I, I did always keep a, a diary or a journal of some some sort, and I think that it's important for us to try to take that that step back because it doesn't always happen in the moment. You know, when you're going through something, if you're in the middle of your training or if you're in the middle of life or you have a crappy run or you know something goes that wrong or something's just off, like it's sometimes hard to see in the moment what exactly is going wrong or what exactly is happening in the, in the bigger picture of things. And a lot of times when we take time to just stop and pause and think and reflect and actually look back on what happened and maybe why it happened, try to figure out why or try to figure out some of the lessons that we can learn from those events, things make a lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, if you're in you know, what could be interpreted as a negative situation, some sort of problem or obstacle, whatever you want to, you phrase it out there, but something that as you're in it doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. You have a couple of options. You could either like, you know, wallow in, oh, this is terrible, or you could pretend that it's not there and just ignore it and just move on past it. But the, the best way, the most mature way to handle it is to actually look at it and gain the lesson from it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the universe is handing this to you for a reason. Right. You know, you like to say that you don't get anything handed to you that you can't handle right. and you're getting it for a reason. You're getting it to learn the lesson so that you can then help other people with that. So if you don't take the time to actually reflect and learn the lesson, you're going to be taught that lesson again. It might not be the exact same challenge that you see, mm-hmm. but you're going to get that lesson again. And if you ignore it, you're going to get that lesson again because you need to learn the lesson. So taking some time, actually pausing, actually thinking and reflecting on some highs and lows over the course of the year and saying, hey, 
what happened and why did it happen? What was I supposed to learn from this year is a great way to not just relive it in 2020. Yeah, I think that you make a huge point right here. And it's something that I, I want to focus on for another minute because what you just said is so profound. And I don't think everyone always thinks of it that way because some people like to say, oh, everything happens for a reason, right? And that's that's a saying that you hear a lot. Some people believe it and some people don't. But everybody says it. Everybody right. will just throw that out there whether you believe it or not. But yeah. it, it's it's true. Right. Well, I think that it, it can come with a caveat. Like, do things happen for a reason? That is debatable. You know, some people say that the universe or God like gives things to us or puts things in our path or whatnot. And some people may believe that. I know that I, I believe that we are given things that um, we are strong enough to handle. Like, I don't believe that anything that comes to us, anything that we're faced with, um, that's there because we are strong enough to handle it. it. It's not there in order to break you. I mean, sometimes we do actually need to get broken, though, sometimes in order to build back up stronger. Right. It's not there to completely destroy you. It's right. not going to break you so much that you can't climb out of it. Mm-hmm. it. Anything that has been given to you, you, I mean, you always say this, you are strong enough to handle that adversity. Right. And I believe that things are given to certain people or, you know, people encounter certain challenges or obstacles because exactly what you said, they are strong enough to handle that challenge. They are strong enough to then learn from that challenge and then help others to get through it. And I do believe that that is one of the reasons that challenges and struggles appear in our life. And like you said, if you don't learn the lesson the first time, it's going to keep reappearing in different forms. And sometimes I think that if you keep ignoring it over and over and over again, it smacks you so hard over the head and until you have to listen to it. You have to face it. You have to deal with it. You have to gain the lesson. Uh, like otherwise you're just not going to get through it. Right. I mean, you can't, you cannot just continually ignore it and just pretend that, that this isn't happening. Like it gets to a point where the lesson is coming at you so obviously that it's just like, look, here's the lesson. Just actually accept this. Don't just push it under the rug and ignore it. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it took, uh, what seizure number three before I think <laughs> I was really fully into the lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then you learn the lesson like, Oh, I see. So I can't just run forever and never sleep. I got, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I see. Mm-hmm. So I can't just only focus all my effort on training. I've got to try and actually involve the recovery. I need multiple paces. I need like to combine the mental fatigue and physical fatigue because they're they're connected to each other. Like look at the big picture of your physical health and not just this one little aspect of it. That that was the huge lesson from a couple of years ago for me is mm-hmm. your overall health picture is way bigger than like this one tiny little aspect of fitness of, mm-hmm. you know, I can move my legs pretty quickly as I run along. Yeah, and, and win some races. Yeah. Yeah. So today we really want to start thinking about some of those challenges or obstacles um, that we face throughout the year. And then also the lessons from all the good things as well, because there's highs and there's lows and you can learn lessons from both. And you really should learn lessons from both because when something great happens, you should take the lesson from that. You should look at what it took for you to achieve that win or that goal or whatever it was that, you know, you're seeing as the positive in your life. What did it take for you to achieve that? 
Who were you being in order to show up and achieve that goal? Ooh, that's a good one. That takes a lot of gratitude and thanksgiving to try and learn the lessons from successes. They like to say that uh, what success is a terrible teacher because most people are just like, ah, that was awesome. And mm-hmm. now I'm going to move on from that and not right. actually look back and, and they just celebrated, but don't just don't actually look and see what it took to get there and, and enjoy all of that as well. Just look at the end picture and be like, oh, look at that. I did something pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And then people tend to move on, but you got to look into highs and lows and looking into the highs might be a whole lot more enjoyable. I think it will be, um, enjoyable, but you know, to be honest, like I really like learning the lessons from some of the obstacles as well, because it helps to make sense of it for me. Like sometimes when things are put in our path, like for example, your seizures, right? I, I was like, what in the heck is going on? Why is this happening? And I think that's the initial reaction of a lot of people when obstacles come along is oh, why yeah. is this happening? Especially big obstacles. You're yeah. like, Whoa, what the heck this, how is this possibly happening to me? Like yeah. if that's ever been your thought of why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. That that was a sizable obstacle and it's going to take some time and some space before you can look back on it and mm-hmm. be like, Oh, this might be what I was supposed to learn from it. Yeah. And I think that it's, some people think that that's a bad question, like that you're wallowing, like, why is this happening to me? And it can be, but it's also, it can also be a very empowering question. I think like if something happens, you can say, okay, why is this happening to me? Why is this being placed in my path right now? What do I need to learn from this situation in order to move forward so that this doesn't happen again, or so that I can learn the lessons that I need to learn, or so that I can help other people not repeat these kinds of mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, it's the exact same question. It's mm-hmm. a matter of whether you ask it rhetorically. Yeah. If you ask it rhetorically, you're wallowing. If you ask it and are actually trying to actively search for an answer, it's completely empowering. But search for an answer that's actually going to help move you forward, I think is the key on that one also. Yeah, good point. You know, because you can look for an, an answer, but what good is that answer going to do if you're just right where you are or, you know, were before you answered it? Yeah, something that'll move you forward and something that might actually go help somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today we're going to take a look at 2019 and we're going to take a look at it through, um, the lens of our running lives and also help, you know, ask some questions so that you guys can think about your running life and just your life outside of running as well. And ask yourself some of these same questions of, you know, how, how did this year go? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it somewhere in between? Like what were the highs? What were the lows? Like what are the lessons that I need to learn from some of the events that happened in our life? So to start off, I think that one of the big lessons that we learn this year and pretty much every year when it comes to running is that running is mental. There, Everything about running is so mental. Like, yes, of course, it's a physical act. You have to go out and actually run. But for you to have the commitment, the consistency, that dedication, like all of that, and when you're out on a run, to keep going, you know, to not stop, like all of it is so mental, let alone races. Yeah, I mean, like you know. hard workouts, races, it's all a matter of, of how much you are mentally willing to push your physical body. Yeah. Like they, they're connected. They they are completely connected to this. And for a long time, I tried to push back against it. Um, I've I've been accepting that running is mental for, for a long time. I very much enjoy the uh, the classic high school cross-country shirt of running is mental and we're all insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a feeling you were going to bring up cross-country shirts. Well, because <laughs> the girl who loves wearing that shirt said this. 
face. I mean, at least once a week. You mean she, the girl on our team? On our team, uh-huh. who, who loves wearing that shirt to practice. I mean, at least once a week, sometimes almost like every day at practice. She would come out, hard workout, easy workout, whatever it was. She'd be like, oh, running is so mental. Like, it, as though it was this new thing that occurred to her on Monday mm-hmm. and then again on Wednesday. But I think that part of that is because her course load this year was harder than it ever has been before. So before she didn't have the mental strain and the mental fatigue like in her two previous years. This year she's a junior. She's got all of her standardized testing. She's got ridiculous amounts of college courses. She's got so much so many things on her plate that she shows up at practice or she did show up at practice every almost every day pretty spent already, you know, mentally. Physically, she hadn't been doing much, but mentally she was just fried and and that affected her workouts and her season. Right. So I, one of the big takeaways that I was getting out of this, and I mean, it's really just a continuous takeover, takeaway from the last several years is that the mental fatigue has major, actual, clear physical consequences. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is true. Like physical fatigue then has mental consequences. Oh, yeah. Like I've watched kids in my class as well. Like they have a football game normally the football games are on Friday night but the one had to get moved for weather and it got moved to Thursday those kids were not doing very much on Friday mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's I think we've all kind of experienced that like when you have a hard workout or you're really really tired because you haven't gotten enough sleep it's it's a lot harder to focus on anything like if you go to work the next day it's very hard to focus on what you're doing so yeah I think that that mental fatigue and the interrelatedness of the mental fatigue and the physical fatigue is something that we all really need to be very aware of because it can explain a lot and it can help us to kind of navigate and understand why maybe a workout didn't go as well or on the other hand maybe why we're more tired and have a harder time doing the tasks that we need to do because of the physical fatigue that we're feeling. Well, it's also really good to keep in mind when you start thinking about recovery. Mm -hmm. Like, did you have a really hard workout one day? You're like, okay, well, I need an easy day the next day. But if your job or the kids or something was super stressful the next day, that wasn't recovery. Mm -hmm. So you try and come back and have like like a hard run the day after that. And you're like, oh, my legs are still shot. I wonder why. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because you never actually allowed yourself to recover. Yeah. Like you were, you were on like high alert for the entire next day so your body was never in recovery mode yeah I think that's a really important thing for us to remember as real life runners too like that it's not just the running and just the workout and just the physical exertion that we need to take into account when we're looking at how we're performing or how we're recovering or our training plan as a whole like it's important for us to look at all of the stress in our life and like Kevin said if you know if you do have a very stressful time in your life for other reasons. Maybe there's a big project at work or maybe something's going on with your family members that's really stressing you out. Maybe that's a time for you to pull back on your training a little bit. Like just stick with some easier runs, not not have as um, physically taxing workouts because you're already being taxed so much mentally and emotionally that adding more like physical taxing efforts on top of it is probably not going to go well. Right. Some people use running. I know I do as a, as a stress relief. So if you've got like your personal life going in there, personal or work or family, whatever that's adding stress and you're like, Oh, I just need a really hard workout where you combine the the mental stress and throw some physical stress on top of it. And you go right back into more mental stress. You're just going to get sick. Yeah. I I mean, what's really going to happen there. I mean, there are times that it can help. I think, you know, like there are definitely times where 
you can definitely run out a lot of stuff going on. Right, but I think limit the length of the exertion. You yes. know, this is a good time where like strides, mm-hmm. you know, hill sprints. Yeah. Something where the, the quantity is really reduced, but the effort can be at a really high level. You can burn mm. off some stress really quick without just putting so much physical torture on yourself. That's a really like good a, point. You know, a one hour steady state run at your like half marathon pace might not be the workout that you're going for at that time. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just grueling. No, I think that's a great point. Like that's such a good trade off. Um, make it very high intensity so that you can burn off the crazy and use it to handle the crazy. Don't but... look at me when you say burn off the crazy. <laughs> But keep it low load, right? Keep it low duration. Um, You know, you're not going as hard for as long. um, But that way you still get the benefits of that stress relief from the run, but you're not overtaxing your body. So think of yourself as a whole person. Yeah, I think really. Yeah. All right. And the next thing I think the next point under the running is mental category is really belief and belief in yourself and accepting the possibilities that you have in your running and really in your life. But if you don't believe that something is actually possible, the likelihood of you achieving that is very, very low. Yeah. Belief in the possibility is really, I mean, that that's the whole thing summed up like really, really small is believe the possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you like to say that everything's guaranteed. You just can't, can't guarantee the timeline. Your success is guaranteed. Your success yes. is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people struggle with that. Like, ah, oh, guaranteed. That's uh, my goal is a big reach. You have to accept that it's at least a, a possibility. Mm-hmm. Because if in your mind it's not a possibility, it just sounds like a cool goal, then it will never happen. You have to accept the possibility. Because if you don't accept the possibility, then it, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that you're not even going to strive for because it just sounds cool, but you're not going to bother working towards it because you don't think it's ever going to happen. Right. And if you want more about this idea in detail, you can go back a couple of episodes. Um, episode number 117, where we talk about the idea of self-sabotage, we go into this a lot deeper. We go into this idea of believing and how if you don't truly believe that something is possible, you will basically set yourself up to fail. You know, your body and your mind, your brain is programmed to stay in alignment with your beliefs. So if you believe, if you truly don't believe something is possible, then your brain will basically make that outcome what happens. Right. Yeah. It's, so it's the guaranteed failure. Yeah. So check out episode mm-hmm. 117 if you want to dive a little bit deeper into that whole idea. But on a way to try and avoid the self-sabotage, I I find the lesson, and we're kind of kind of go back and forth on this one, but um, 2019 really, to me, one of the lessons I gained from especially the running side was make a plan or you're not really going to progress very far. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did not race a lot at all this year. Yeah. Like much at all. I threw a race in January and I'm trying to think if I had another one in like the middle of the year or not. And I'm not even sure did, I did. No. But even like a low key 5K. I don't think you did. So. Yeah. Well, the funny mm. thing is when Kevin and I were talking about this episode, um, Kevin is usually the one that kind of outlines our episodes before we record. And so he was kind of thinking about this idea. I, you know, I came up with the topic. He does the outline. And he goes, okay, so what are you thinking? Like what kind of lessons did you learn in 2019? He goes, I've got some stuff written down. And, and so. You know, obviously I want your input on it too. And so I basically said, which our next point, which is um, I learned about this year for me was much more about running without a strict training plan. Um, and he just kind of laughed and I'm like, why are you laughing? And he said, well, 
I literally wrote down that running with a plan is important. Like run, make a plan and run with a plan or you won't progress. And I kind of got a little bit more of the opposite lesson from this year. So we're going to talk a little bit about that now. We're going to go into yours first. Um, so make a plan or you're not going to progress as much as you want. All right. So, I mean, on the very beginning of it, just sort of the background of, you know, why you need a plan. Like goals are good, but if you just have a goal, it, it's just a thing that sounds cool. You need a plan on mm-hmm. how you're actually going to try and accomplish that goal. Right. Then the goal becomes an actual possibility. Without that, without the the goal or without the plan that gets you towards the goal, then time just sort of passes along. Mm-hmm. And I'm very good about heading out the door and being like, all right, I'm going to go get in my run because I like to get in my run. But like days and weeks can pass and I'll just sort of be in the same spot. I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I, I went and got that in or well, I haven't done a speed workout in a couple of days, so I guess I'll do this today. And I've got so many workouts in my head that I can just pick up whatever I feel like doing that day right. and I can stay in pretty good shape, but I'm not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like that's the that's the case though, that you're not actually getting anywhere? Front half of the year. Okay. The back half of the year, I... I did not have a strict plan that I was following, mm-hmm. but I had a very good outline in my head that I could sort of access all the time. Because you never wrote it down. I never like, wrote it down. Well, you and I talked about this multiple times. I'm like, did you ever make a plan for yourself? Did you ever make a plan for yourself? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, and it just, you, you kept kind of like blowing it off and pushing it off. But in your head, you kind of have one? Oh, no, I, I've had a plan for the last like six months. Oh, <laughs> did you ever write it down? No. Okay. I, I have one now. I wrote down the last like three weeks of the plan. I'm like, how do I take it from where I am and taper down to the actual marathon race? Mm-hmm. So I think I have the final four weeks of like a six month plan. Okay. So what did you kind of learn about training that way? Um, like without a plan on the front half or with sort of a not quite as structured plan on the back half? Both. Like, so the, so the, the front half of the year first. The front half drives me nuts. Okay. Like without a plan, suddenly I like, I blinked and it was June and I'm like, oh shoot, I was, I meant to get my mileage up over the beginning of the year so then I could sustain some higher mileage over the summer and that didn't happen. And South Florida and the summer is not the time to build your mileage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's brutal. Um, so the, the whole spring, I was just like, that didn't really get what I wanted. I either need, wanted to focus on speed or build mileage, and I just sort of floated through. And I blinked, and suddenly it was the end of the school year, and it was time for summer. Yeah. Like, I really, track season just flew the entire spring by. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's very common though that 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 kind of thing happens to a lot of people because like you just said real life just gets in the way like if you don't have a plan that you're actually following that has a clear progression it's very easy to just kind of float right by and all of a sudden time goes by and you're not where you want it to be Um, and that is the benefit of having that plan especially a plan you know from a coach or like yourself you know that you know all these concepts about cycling and build up and safely building your mileage and safely putting in the speed work so that you're reaping benefits along the way and improving your fitness along the way that kind of thing is can be super super important for a lot of people I would say most people right otherwise you just kind of keep doing what you've been doing because Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with that like everybody likes to stay roughly where they're at 
it's if you want to move forward, you kind of have to move outside of the comfort zone, and that requires some some thought. Yeah. And if you don't have the plan written down, if you don't know what you're going to do for the workout that day or what you're going to do for your runs that week, you're just going to head out the door and do what you did last week, mm-hmm. like in all likelihood. Um, yes and no, I think. It depends on the person. But like, so my beginning six months of the year were – somewhat similar to that I would say like we both raced Key West in January and then after that like I definitely followed a plan for that um, leading up to that race and then after that I kind of just needed a break like I needed a physical break and a mental break when it came to following a training plan and so for a while there I took a little break from speed work I would still throw it in like usually once a week um, just to kind of keep my legs fresh because I enjoy speed work that's the kind of runner I am I really enjoy doing speed work and not just going out on like the longer slower runs and so I I maintained it but I wasn't directed in any direct directed in any direction I wasn't like you know my training wasn't directed in any way part of that was because I didn't pick another race Right. I mean, I think that's part of what both of us did. Yeah. That's why I kind of like the plan, even if you don't have like a, a specific race on the t- on the horizon, mm-hmm. pick something that you can use as like a checkpoint. Yeah. Like a hard workout. If, if there's a race that kind of fits into a timeline, great. But even just be like, okay, at this point, I've got this as my goal. And then this is going to be the workout that I do to sort of check in and see where I'm at and see if I've improved my speed up to that point or if I've improved my stamina or whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. aiming for just something to check in and I mean we raced in January and I'm not going to race again like we ran the school 5k you pulled me into a half marathon relay a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that, was fun. that was kind of random um but if I'm almost going a year without uh, a long distance race a bigger race right. that you actually trained for right mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of weird and I mean I've been I've been keying in on this one lately and I mean I really have for the last several months like really since school began i've i've been focused on the training but Mm -hmm. um it's structured but not day-to-day exactly what i'm gonna do right so i'm curious like do you think that the magnitude of this race and like the deeper meaning of the upcoming marathon was also a reason that you kind of hesitated on making an official training plan like the fact that this is your first full marathon since you had this series of seizures back in 2017 you'd think i'd want to prep for it better with like a half marathon partway through the year to make sure my training's going better but i think part of that might be that i was you know almost fearful to say that i am in full marathon prep that's what i mean yeah like oh if if i'm actually having a plan and actually putting it out there and actually saying that this is what's going to happen right like it's one thing to say it back last january like i'm gonna run a marathon but i mean i I didn't even sign up for it for the longest time Mm -hmm. like we just signed up for it like a week ago right yeah and and i've known that i was going to do it um but i just kind of kept putting it off and putting it off and never making an official training plan Mm -hmm. like i was doing it but i never wrote anything down Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that's definitely part of it of it it was never concrete do you think that that helped you mentally that you didn't make it concrete like you kind of just let it float in a way that there was the always the possibility that if the training wasn't going well if things started not going well I think it gave me that sort of buffer Mm -hmm. of 
you know, if I need to take a little bit longer on the buildup, if, if it's not going as smoothly, I knew I was going to run another marathon. I just, it was a matter of timeline. Mm -hmm. So if the marathon buildup wasn't going nice, if I got sick, if there was any sort of setback, if the school year started and I missed some weeks along the way, I was willing to take days off a lot mm-hmm. more on this plan than I have been in anything in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you have been definitely I think you, better about yeah, that. Like you've got to agree with that one that I've done a lot of, of listening to myself on this one and being like, Ooh, I can't hit that workout today. I should not even run today. I need an off day. Yeah. So do you think that the fact that you didn't have that structured training plan, like written out allowed you more freedom and flexibility to do that? Like, do you think that if you did have a plan, would you have been as willing to miss days like you did? Probably. I think it probably, at the beginning, I think it actually would have removed some of the stress from training Mm -hmm. because I never wrote it down, but I still knew what I was doing. Okay. Like I still knew roughly I was going to have a couple of speeds. One of them was going to be longer and slower. One of them was going to be shorter and faster. The longer, slower one, I just kept building that mileage up. And like I had a plan, Mm -hmm. it just didn't get written. And so if, if a day needed to get pushed, I was fine with that. And in the beginning, I, I, I pushed back against myself. It's like, ooh, I don't want to miss this day. And I think that's almost more beneficial to have a plan there because when you can see what's supposed to happen over the next few weeks, you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, if I miss this workout, then I can just adjust and I can put it into the next week. It could replace this one. And you can track your progress and actually see what was going on Mm because I was sort of ballparking. of like, all right, I'm going to do like six miles at steady state. And then the next week I did seven miles. And the next week I did eight miles. And I slowly built that up Mm -hmm. while very, very slowly bringing that pace down. So I was kind of playing both of those things, but there were multiple days that I'd, I'd go back into the phone and be like, what did I do last week? Cause mm-hmm. I need to adjust from that one now. Yeah. So a plan probably would have been a little bit more helpful there. <laughs> well, and I think that, you know, you've been running for such a long period of time and you have so much experience, both ru- just running in general and then also training at this competitive, you know, semi elite level that you can adjust things on the fly and obviously coaching, you know, other runners like to achieve these things. Like, you know how to adjust the plan so quickly and it's so just kind of innate in what you do and how you think. I think that that allows you more freedom than like the average real life runner. Yeah. I mean, I adjust things on the fly all the time. I, yeah. I'll adjust a workout that morning. I'll adjust a workout mid workout. Mid workout. Like, oh, I thought I was going to have like an hour during my lunch break to get this thing in, but it turns out I only have 45 minutes or I have to sub and now I don't have any time at all. So this workout has to go to the afternoon, but we've got practice, so I can't even run today. So what do I do for the rest of the week? Mm -hmm. And it just, it flips. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's just because you know so much about running that like a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. And so I think that that is the benefit of most people following that plan or having a running coach that they can consult with. Um, If things like that do come up, if you did have something like what you just explained happen and you have to flip flop because you can't get the workout in that day, having someone to look to and say, Hey, what should I do here? I mean, I know that's one of my benefits of being married to you, (laughs) um, my running coach, you know? So it's like, um, what should I do today, Kevin? You're like, well, what have you been doing? And, you know, and, and so we kind of go back and forth and you kind of give me some options and then I decide what I want to do. Um, which was sort of what you're 
you had throughout the year is right. you didn't have much of a plan. We would mm-hmm. have this discussion. You're like, oh, I got to do a workout tomorrow. What should I do? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get frustrated that there wasn't a plan for you. And other times you were really enjoying not having much of a plan. Yeah. I think that for the most part, this was the first time that I ever went this long without an actual training plan. And I was kind of on a plan with a friend of mine who trained for her first marathon. And for a while in my head, I was debating whether or not I was going to do it with her. Mm-hmm. So I just was like well I'm just gonna do what she does because I run with her most days of the week anyway like any like our workouts and stuff we we usually do together so I'm just gonna kind of jump on and I'll do those so that I'm basically following a plan and then it kept that option open as well like because I hadn't decided like earlier in the year I was still considering um jumping on and, and possibly trying to do that which I basically decided relatively quickly when the volume started going up that I just didn't have the the bandwidth for that right now. I mean, there's a big difference between training for a half where you get yourself up to like 10 to 12 miles yeah. and training for a full where you're pushing the 20 mile. Mm-hmm. The, the, you're out there for but it's not just that. It's all the recovery that goes along with it, too. Very like, good it's point. not just the running. And this is what a lot of people fail to take into account a lot of times. It's it's not just the running. The running, it, it, I can do that. I, like, it was, it would have added, like, an extra hour to my running on, like, Saturday morning. Because right now, as it is, I love running, and then I go to have some coffee, and then I go to yoga. So I already have, like, a long Saturday morning of fitness basically yeah but you may have missed yoga on a regular basis maybe or I would have had to start earlier like I that's basically what I saw is like my friend she just started waking up at like four o'clock starting running at 4 30 and I'm like I cannot lose that much sleep right now like I'm I was already having enough of a hard time getting to sleep on time let alone then waking up an hour or two hours earlier than I was so it was it was that it was trying to get in the the sleep and then she would go and you know get stretched out and get massages and do other self-care activities taking naps that are necessary during marathon training and she was doing a great job taking care of herself and I was like I don't have time for that stuff like Like, I just don't our two little ones hate naps right (laughs) right and so and it, it I'm just at a different phase in my life right now like her she has one child that's older I have two that are younger like it's just a different time um and different responsibilities and and so she had the time in her life to do that and I quickly realized that I did not and I think that that is one thing that if you if a race you know specifically like a longer race like a marathon is something that you are thinking about doing please take a look at your real life and see if now makes sense for that because if you're a runner you're going to be hopefully running the rest of your life like I'm really hoping that if you're listening to this podcast you're not just like a bucket list one and done kind of person like I'm going to come I'm going to run a marathon and then I'm going to be done running like okay maybe you only want to run one marathon that's cool um but you're you know wanting to continue running at least after that um so if you know, you are considering doing a half marathon or a marathon or an ultra marathon. You know, there are people that go even further than that. Please make sure that now is a good time in your life to do that, considering all of your other responsibilities. Like if you have a newborn, now might not be the best time. (laughs) It's a a newborn. That's perfectly, that's the exact right time to start an ultra. But I mean, that's what some people do, you know, and then they wonder why they get injured quickly. And it's because they're not getting the sleep, the recovery. They're overextended physically, emotionally, mentally, like 
exactly what we were talking about before. How what are you saying? A newborn is mentally and emotionally draining? <laughs> How, <laughs> how's that? You've had two. <laughs> You've had two. You, you should know this one by now. Um, and you're, you know, Kevin, you, you're a very involved dad. So it's not like you're just some guy that's like, oh, yeah, my wife is taking care of the kids. Like, you totally get this because you were in it, in the thick of it with me um, in the child-rearing years. Child-rearing. <laughs> so... Anyway, back to running with a plan. So um, my year basically was running without a plan, really. Like I would jump on to my friend's plan, and then when she started to increase her mileage, I didn't. And I would do part of her runs with her, and then I would you know, decide how much, how much mileage I wanted to do. Um, and I really enjoyed that for a while because it was just – freedom like I didn't have to think about it because she basically had her plan that I could jump on or off at any time so there or there was that kind of structure there um, but it was a structure that I could kind of pick and choose and I know myself well enough that I'm going to be consistent like I think that this is the other point um, of what this year proved to me this year basically proved that I can be consistent because I am a runner it's not just because I'm following a plan like sometimes I think that a plan can be something that's very helpful for a lot of people because there are some people that I know that if they don't have a plan in front of them, they're not going to go out and run, like at all. Like they won't do it unless they have like, okay, Tuesday you have to run this amount of miles, Wednesday is this, Thursday is strength training, like have the exact plan with all the details written out, then they'll go out and do it because they have that accountability of a plan. I mean, for for a long time since you really started going here, it was really one race and then you take a little break and then you make a training plan for the next race. Right. This is the longest time that you've gone without a, a race in there. Yeah. Even from like a 5k, a 10k, like something you've been racing on a regular basis. Like your running history is much shorter than mine and you are racking up the medals awfully quick, especially like recently you're racking up medals much faster than I am getting race medals. Yeah, that, I mean, but that, a lot of that is also because of the running group that I'm a part of. Like, right. you know, my friends will do a race and I'll say, okay, I'll jump in that. And that's part of what I really enjoyed doing this year was because of that consistency, I could basically jump into a race of any distance, like half marathon or below, and be fine. Like, and so I took this as a big experimental year and kind of seeing like, okay, and I, I didn't really race a lot. Like, I I raced in January and then I also didn't race again until November because I had the Spartan race in yeah. April. So I did, or no, I did, so I did January and then I did a 5K in You did a 5K March, in February. March. March. Yeah. And then I did the Spartan race in April. And then after that, it, it gets hot in, in Florida. Then so you, I didn't really race over the summer. There's just not a lot of races around here. Yeah. So I didn't really race over the summer. And then, um, cross-country season and the busyness of all of that and so that's why a couple of weeks ago I was really starting to itch like I had this like itch to kind of race and see where I was like I needed a checkpoint like you were talking about thus the impromptu half marathon relay <laughs> hey you know what so for those of you that might not know a couple of weeks ago we had a local half marathon here and I had kind of been wanting to run it but like not really, like I was thinking about it. And so I was looking at the website and um, I saw that they had a half marathon relay, a two-person relay. And I just got super excited. I was like, oh, now this is something I could jump on board because then I could see what my 10K 
time is right now. Like basically do like a 10K race because the each leg of the race was like 6.7 or 6.5 miles. So I tried to find a couple people, like some of my normal running buddies, to, to do it with me. And a couple people said no. And then I looked over at Kevin and I was like, hey, honey, would you like to run – a half marathon relay with me tomorrow. <laughs> and I had just done a really hard workout like the day before. <laughs> and you're like, uh, we're going to do a race. And and it's a race. You put a bib on the front of me and I'm going to I'm going to race. Like yeah. I'm going to try and beat people. Yeah. And that was that was interesting. It was fun, you know, and we we ended up having a, a lot of fun. Like it was definitely impromptu, but I also like loved the fact that I could just jump on and do that at literally the day before. Like I signed up I signed us up at like 5 p.m. the day before the race. Yes. And we went and raced the next morning. And I just, that to me is part of what this year was. It was kind of this experimental year of proving to myself that I can maintain that consistency because I am a runner, because that's who I am um, as a part of my identity, not just because I have a plan sitting in front of me. And then one of the other nice things that happened, because your running age is less than mine. Mm -hmm. Like we're the same age, but your running age is very different than mine. You're still able to go out and at this like sort of maintenance level, you ran a 10K PR. Mm -hmm. You know, then you ran the 5K at our school and we're pretty darn close. uh, Basically within 20 seconds. Of your 5K PR. Mm -hmm. So like you're hitting some very, very, very fast times. And I'm feeling a lot stronger too. Yeah, like that. when I complete these races, I don't feel like I'm dying like I did a year or two ago. Like I'm running these races and I'm just feeling stronger as well. Right. Even though you're not doing a quote unquote race specific plan, mm-hmm. which sort of gets me to, to a question. You know, there are certain workouts that are designed to give your body certain adaptations. Are they super necessary? Are you actually getting the right adaptation out of each workout? Mm -hmm. Or especially if you are relatively new to running, can you throw a variety of workouts and just get yourself in good shape? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that it's different for every person, but that's definitely something that I've learned this year and that that's what is ringing true for me. Like I was not on a specific training plan, but I still was integrating all of these different types of workouts into my plan, um, into my weekly running, you know, I wasn't on a specific thing that said this, this day, but I still had a general idea, kind of like what you did. And and I think that this is also making me feel good and excited that I am learning a lot more about coaching, like through your help. And then obviously through coaching our clients, I'm learning a lot more and having much more of that innate understanding of kind of what my body needs at any given time. So I'll know that I need to throw in some of the shorter, faster stuff. And then I'll also need to throw in like the longer, slower stuff. And basically, as long as I'm balancing those throughout the week, then I feel like I'm still not just maintaining, but I'm still improving. Oh, definitely. Definitely still improving. Yeah. And you know, there are some times where during the week you get a couple of faster things. And then the next Mm -hmm. week you just, you're like, eh, maybe for my speed this week, I'll do some strides, but I'll do like a longer, more extended, moderate pace run. Mm -hmm. And you just balance it all out and it, it works. 
you can get to a point where it's like, okay, well, I've, I've done this sort of generic, I did this kind of workout, I did this kind of workout, and I'm not getting the results I want. And at that point, I think then you kind of dig into the plan and be like, okay, what exactly are you doing? Mm-hmm. Is there, like, are you really focusing in on, on workouts designed for this specific race? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're not having enough speed, not having enough power? Are you running out of stamina? Because then there's different workouts that can help try and build those weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But if you're not used to having all of those different workouts in your training plan, putting all of them in there, whether it happens every week or every other week, you're kind of cycling every three weeks, whatever it is, if they're all in there, you're going to get in really good shape and you're going to continue to improve. Right. And I think that it makes it unnecessary to make sure that your specifics are exactly correct. Because like you said, I am still relatively new to running and to training really to racing and and trying to push myself and improve. Um, You know, I've, I've run for a long time, but it wasn't ever at this kind of, with this kind of mindset of let me see what I can do to actually get faster and improve myself. And so now I kind of have that idea of like, oh, I haven't done this kind of workout in a while. Maybe I should throw that in and see where I am. Um, And so I've really just approached running this year with a totally experimental type of mindset, like without the pressure of hitting a PR, hitting the the time goals of just going into the races or going into the workouts and saying like, okay, I wonder what I'm going to be able to do today. And if I feel like I haven't like had that, you know, more tempo, like the longer steady state kind of trying to hold that faster pace for a longer period of time, then I'll throw one of those in and kind of see what I what I'm able to do that day, you know, and how it's affected by the weather or who I'm running with or, you know, all the various things that come into play. Yeah, you're really taking a very experimental kind of playful approach towards your mm-hmm. running. Like, uh, what happens today? What happens if I change this? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a long run and I'm going to eat this beforehand. Like, you've been experimenting on all sorts of things throughout mm-hmm. the year. So I think you've learned a lot about yourself, yeah. a lot about like what you can and can't eat, what happens with different music, with different people you're running with. Like, you've really improved all areas of your running mm-hmm. over the course of the year. And yeah. conveniently, you knocked off a 10K PR the other week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty – I was very, very happy about that one for sure. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's kind of me. So I think that um, in general for you real-life runners out there trying to figure out whether or not you are better – following a a more detailed training plan or giving yourself the freedom to kind of play and experiment. And I think it depends on your personality. It depends on um, your running age and your, your level of experience and how able you are to, you know, um, to adapt to different things. And then it also depends on your identity, like whether or not you fully accept that identity of runner, knowing that you're, you're able to maintain that consistency without having that strict plan training plan in front of you. Or if you don't have the plan, how you might just fall off and you maybe won't be doing what you need to be doing and how you'll just make excuses or, um, you know, not where you want to be if you don't have that plan. And that's different for everybody. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs to take on that full runner identity, um, to, to just keep going out the door, which actually really nicely slides into point four. So we've had, you know, our lesson one running is mental Mm -hmm. and then two and three, um, make a plan or you don't progress or 
maybe perhaps go without a plan because that might work better for you. Mm -hmm. Like if you've been following a super strict plan, having a little bit more leeway in your plan, or even if you have a plan, giving yourself some slack on it is is huge. That's excellent. It all leads to number four, which is consistency pays off in the long run. Mm -hmm. You know, over the course of this year, I have been way more willing than I have for the past many years to miss a workout. (laughs) Many, many years. (laughs) Because missing a workout is way better than missing the next couple of weeks being hurt or sick. Yeah. You know, and, and missing a day doesn't mean that I'm not a runner. Like runners have off days. That's part of the running schedule. Like building in the recovery off day is what makes you a runner. Mm -hmm. Like having to go out every single day and run, that's that's not what defines you as runner. Accepting that you're a runner is the definition part. Like, do you go run? Great. You don't have to run every single day to be a runner. Yeah, someone posted that in the tribe the other day. It was a quote to the effect of, you are a runner even on the days that you don't run. And accepting that is huge. And and that goes along with everything from recovery to running to strength training to um, the food choices that you make. Like even on the days that you don't run, like you need recovery days as a runner. That's what you need. And so understanding that that's a part of your training. That's a part of you actually getting closer to the goals that you're trying to achieve is huge. Yeah, the consistency in in all areas, the consistency with with sleep and eating of part of where you've really accepted the runner identity of like, okay, well, I had a hard workout today. Should I celebrate my hard workout by, you know, eating this, all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that I don't normally eat? Well, I just had a hard workout, so I should celebrate it. And I'm going to get a milkshake and a cheeseburger. Now you feel terrible. Mm -hmm. And you weren't giving yourself great fuel to recover. You're giving yourself calories. Yeah. But you're not necessarily giving yourself the right stuff that's going to help you fuel and feel good the next day. Mm -hmm. Were you planning on going for a run the next day? Were you planning on getting something in the next day? You might not feel so great. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had long runs and it's like, well, on the night before a long run, I don't want to go out with people and stay out late and have several drinks and then try and get up early and go for a long run. But on the rest of the day of a long run... I don't really want to do that either. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make sure that I'm hydrating with water and getting, you know, good nutritious food into me as mm-hmm. much as I possibly can. Yeah. You know, there was, I forget what, what it was that happened. Like I ran a 23 miler the other day and I think we got together with people that afternoon mm-hmm. and I was like, um, I'm just going to keep drinking water all day. And yeah. like, cause that was what I needed to do on that day. Because you're an athlete and you need a fuel as one. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because back in the day, I don't, I don't know how long ago, but you know, a few years ago or, or whatnot, when my mentality was different, when my identity was different, um, I would basically use running as like strictly a calorie burn. Like, oh, well, I ran eight miles today. That means I can indulge in all of this stuff that I don't normally eat or yep. drink more than I normally drink or have that extra dessert, like do all those things. It was like, oh, well, I just burned because running to me was burning calories. Yes, we'll, we'll run for cake. We'll run for cookies. Mm-hmm. We'll run, run for wine. Like all of right. these shirts. Yes. Like we'll run for donuts. Right. Uh, sorry, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll run for apple fritters. <laughs> oh. Yes. So basically, you know, that was the mentality then and seeing like, okay, well, I just burned off that many calories. So that means I can go have that hamburger and french fries. But now it's different, like, because it's like, 
well, am I actually refueling my body with the quality food that's going to help me rebuild and get stronger and actually achieve some of these goals that I want to achieve? And I think that that's a big difference. And that's a huge shift in mindset for me is seeing myself as a runner, as an athlete, as someone that wants to improve and is working to improve, then how are my food choices also supporting that quest for improvement? Or am I just like sabotaging myself and or just putting myself on like kind of a stalemate here too you know because maybe you're not actually damaging yourself with the food choices that you're eating but you're also not promoting um you know muscle gains and and strength gains and speed gains stalemate stalemate was an excellent choice there like you're you're trying to improve yourself by going for a run but then you're taking another step back like it's not two forward one back it's literally two forward two back Mm -hmm. two forward two back right and i think that a lot of people sometimes fail to think of all of those things when it comes to improving like they say they say oh you know i'm going to increase my mileage i'm going to increase my speed work i'm going to do all these things but you also need to think about the sleep and the eating and you know all the other stuff to to help you improve and that's why we really encourage everyone to take on this mindset of runner and athlete and live your life that way don't just you know, think that running is just a calorie burner and allows you to just eat whatever you want. Like if you want that stuff, fine, but don't just do it because you just burn the calories for it. Do it because you want it. And and that's going to make you happy and understand that that's just the choice that you're making that day. But maybe you don't want to make that choice every Every day day or every week. Maybe you want to spread that out a little bit more special treats become special when they're more rare Mm -hmm. like is is it a special treat if you get it every single night after dinner Mm -hmm. like sure you could have ice cream because ice cream is delicious and you could have it after dinner every single night Mm -hmm. but at some point in time you're going to be like eh it's just what i do after dinner like it's not a special treat anymore Mm -hmm. so and then it's just what you do yeah but i mean this whole take on the mindset i've made huge leaps on this one i think this has probably been one of my biggest things this year of all of my my running history of kind of leaping into the entire like what am i doing with my whole life my whole big picture health and making sure that all areas are trying to get covered now this is the best sleep i've ever gotten while training at this kind of level mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm hitting mileage numbers because I'm able to take time off because if I get tired, I skip a day. Like, is it a Tuesday and I'm tired? Well, I was supposed to go for a run. I guess I'm not going for a run on a random Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's part of what's helped me of not having a strict schedule is sometimes I'll run like 10 days in a row. And sometimes I'll run three days and be like, Ooh, I'm tired. I need another off day. And then I'll do three more days and then I'll take another off day. Mm -hmm. And then it'll get followed by like 14 days in a row because I feel good during those days. So I'm putting off days where I need them, where my life says I need them, where it was a super busy day and there just, there wasn't time for me to go out and run for an hour Mm -hmm. and that gets an off day. And because of that, like if you look at the overall mileage numbers for the past like five months of mine, they've been very consistent, Mm -hmm. like super consistent. The last five months have been within like five miles of each other, Mm -hmm. but I didn't get to that number the same way each month. Mm -hmm. I just managed to eventually get there, but I got there by taking time off. Otherwise, I think each month would have been a lot more all over the place. Yeah, I've noticed that you have definitely been better about 
listening to your body and taking time off and it's kind of freaked me out like (laughs) a couple of times like you're like yeah no I'm not running today I'm like really like but you took yesterday off too you know and you very rarely I would say miss two days in a row I don't I don't usually enjoy missing two days yeah or like maybe it's just like your second time that week that you've taken an off day. Like you, you very, very rarely, if ever, really took two days in a row off. I took two days in a row off last week because I yeah. took a day off and then I felt really bad the next day. Like I just, oh, I didn't that was the day you good. had the bad headache and everything. Right, I had yeah. a really bad, but I had taken an off day the day before, mm-hmm. and so now I've got this like bad headache and I like I don't feel physically like I should go run, yeah. but I know that I just didn't run the day before, and part of me was like, oh. I got to go get a run. And then I just, I flipped it. I'm like, no, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. You really don't need to go get a run and you're going to be okay. But in the past you would have like in the past you would have just pushed through because you're like, well, I already had an off day yesterday, so I can't have an off day again today. Would have pushed through or just freaked out all day the second day, knowing Mm -hmm. that I tried to build extra mileage into the back end of the week. Mm -hmm. Ooh, had two days. So now instead of finishing seven, 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 I'm going to finish nine, nine, 10. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so it's fine. And your mindset has definitely improved and in many, ways this year which is good because like the girls kind of joked um about how when you miss your run how you get like cranky and grumpy and there's been less of that like I've noticed that you've kind of taken it much better in stride um pun intended Mm -hmm. but um like if, if you do miss a day or if you need to take an extra recovery day you are getting a lot better about just listening to your body and doing that and I think that it's you're already seeing payoff from it. And it's very interesting to see what happens when I actually uh, toe the line for a race. I can't wait to see it. It's (laughs) going to be fun. Okay, so I think we should probably wrap this up because we're coming up on an hour. We did not expect this episode to take this long. And we actually have some points that we didn't really get to, so we're going to just put those off and we will finish those up next week. And we'll wrap up the year and kind of look forward to the next one. Exactly, yeah. We'll finish with our 2019 wrap-up and look ahead to 2020 next week. So just to recap some of the big lessons that we've learned um, this year that hopefully you can take away a lot of lessons yourself is number one, running is mental. That's, I mean, that's enormous. I think that's yeah. been like my biggest thing that it seems so simple. It's in three words, but running is mental is kind of my, my lesson for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, personally make a plan, mm-hmm. um, or you might not progress as much as you're hoping for. You kind of had a different lesson over the year. Right. My, my lesson was more of running without a plan can sometimes give you freedom to explore and experiment and do things that maybe you didn't um, do in the past, like that you didn't allow yourself that freedom to do. Um, so don't be afraid of experimenting because running is a journey. And if your experiment doesn't go well, you can always change it. And that's one of the things that I really learned this year. And also taking on that identity of real life runner and understanding that I can be consistent without a plan. Um, I think that's a, a good point for you to also think about in your life of what kind of runner are you? Do you respond better to following a training plan and and do you find that when you're not on a training plan you tend to fall off the wagon totally and just don't run don't work out or are you someone that can take time off from a training plan and kind of play around and experiment a little bit and um, you're gonna have to kind of think about that 
yourself because your personality is different than ours. And obviously Kevin and I had different takeaways from the year, um, just between the two of us. Yeah. But I mean, your plan, your thought was running without a plan gives some freedom and mine was running with a plan gives a little bit more structure. Even if the plan is not like super day by day, this is what you have to do every single minute. Yeah. But both of us came to the same conclusion of consistency is super important. Right. And that's our number four point is that consistency really pays off in the long run. Right. So whether you have a detailed plan that you're following or whether you sort of have a guideline of what it is that you get in during the week, you know, maybe you have a crazy busy schedule, but you're like, all right, but these are the five workouts or the four workouts that you're going to do during the week. And then you figure out when to put them in consistency day after day, week over week leads to some great results over the course of the year. Yeah, I think that's a perfect wrap up. So If you are looking for some guidance regarding your training or training plans or looking for some coaching, check out our website, realliferunners.com. We are going to be launching a free five-day challenge um, coming up starting on January 6th. So we want you guys to get in on that. So go over to rlrtrainingacademy.com and sign up with your email address to be added to our wait list. That will also notify you when our challenge is live. We ha- we don't have the challenge website quite ready to go yet, so we're still working on that for you, but we have an awesome five-day challenge that we're going to be starting on January 6th to help you start your new year off right, um, to guide you along some of these really, really important things that you need to become the real life runner that you want to be. So to sign up for the waiting list for that free five-day challenge, head over to rlrtrainingacademy.com and just sign up with your email address so that you are the first to know. Now it's time for our runner of the week. (laughs) All right, so our runner of the week this week is a relatively new runner. She's only been running for about two years, but she has already accomplished a lot of awesome stuff. Her name is Megan Smith. Woohoo! Congratulations, Megan. Um, Megan, when we, when we reached out to her, she wrote back with a little bit of information about her running journey, and this is what she writes. My long-distance running journey started in March 2018 when I signed up for a 5K with my husband. At that point, I couldn't run a mile, so I downloaded the Couch to 5K app. I distinctly remember when the app jumped from running 8 minutes with walking in between to running 20 minutes without stopping. (laughs) I thought there was no way that I could do that and decided to run 10 minutes, walk for a bit, then run 10 more. Then, while on the run, I hit 10 minutes and told myself I could make it to the next driveway, then to the next block then to the next stop sign, and before I knew it, I ran the full 20 minutes. The feeling of strength and excitement in that moment honestly rivals that of when I crossed the finish line of my first marathon nine months later. Both of those moments, while significantly different in distance and time, were moments when I achieved something I hadn't thought possible, and that is one of the reasons why I love running. It has taught me so much, but most of all, it has taught me that I am strong, physically and mentally, and that I can do hard things. That's such an awesome story. Yeah, you can. She continues, since I'm a librarian, I love to research and still being a new-ish runner, I am constantly looking for more things to read and listen to about running. So I was grateful when my husband introduced me to the Real Life Runners podcast. Thank you, husband. I have been catching up on previous episodes from the archives, and I so appreciate the wisdom that Angie and Kevin share with us and how they back it up not only with their lived experiences, but also with research as well. I applied some of that knowledge while running my most recent marathon two weeks ago and cannot wait to learn more as I train for the Seattle Rock and Roll Marathon in June and Chicago Marathon in October. Way to go, Megan. That is so awesome. I mean, you have really come so far in just 
less than two years of running. I mean, March 2018, you are definitely a new runner. Yeah, from I can't run a mile to knocking off marathon after marathon is quite the journey. Quite the journey. So congratulations on all the accomplishments that you have achieved so far. Um, Thank you for being an active part of our tribe and posting about your journey. We love seeing all the posts that you have and how you've already started to inspire other people in the tribe probably without you even knowing it because that's one of the beautiful things about runners it's one of those things that we inspire other people around us just by doing the things we do I mean how many times might you inspire somebody that's driving in a car down the street that just sees you out there running like you never know how many people you're inspiring and how many lives you're touching just by doing what you do. I assume that I inspire people as I run past them every day. Especially shirtless, right? (laughs) (laughs) So congratulations, Megan, on being our runner of the week. Keep up the great work and keep sharing your journey with us because we love to hear about it. So if you are interested in becoming our runner of the week or in surrounding yourself with all of these awesome people, come join us over in our Facebook group um, at rlrtribe.com. I know I've probably given you a lot of websites um, to go to today, but the most important one is that five-day challenge um, in January, January 6th. So go to rlrtrainingacademy.com to sign up for that. And then if you're interested in our Facebook group, rlrtribe.com to sign up and request access for that. So. Lots of websites. Do I get another drum roll? (laughs) Okay. So thank you guys so much for spending this time with us we so appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to listen to the podcast and all of you that share the podcast with your friends or tag us on instagram or facebook we appreciate that so much for you spreading the word because that's how we're going to help so many more people in this world to really grab running and see what it can do for them in their lives just like it's helped you in your life so thank you for that and thank you for being here as always this has been the real life runners podcast episode number 119 now get out there and run your life